Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the latest edition of In the Winner's Corner with Jacob Gaffney. I'm the editor-in-chief of Housing Wire, and I do this podcast with special guests who are absolutely crushing it in real estate. I'm joined by one such guest today, a truly an amazing person in our space. Uh, one of the top Honda lenders runs Movement Mortgage. He is CEO Casey Crawford. How are you doing, Casey? Uh, doing great, Jacob. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for coming on. I mean, uh, you are an impressive individual. I interviewed you for a housing wire cover story, and I was surprised by how approachable you were, how casual you are. Uh, and I think that comes a lot with your personal history of how you've been through a bit of tribulation, especially on, on the fact that you weren't uh, always a mortgage banker, were you? There was something much bigger before mortgage banking. Uh, why don't you tell our audience about it, just in case they haven't heard? <laughs> well, I, listen, I don't know if it was much bigger than helping people, uh, you know, realize the dream of home ownership, but I, I did play in the NFL for a while. Um, and I was, I was absolutely no big deal. So if, uh, you know, if you're wondering why there's a humility, it was beat into me or beat out of me, I guess, uh, <laughs> about playing the NFL and being a backup to, uh, to the real players. I, I kind of joked that, that yeah, I was, all, I was one of the guys that was on the team to make sure the, the real superstars did not get hurt on the uh, special teams play. So, uh, yeah, I got to spend a little bit of time in the NFL and got to be a part of the Super Bowl. Uh, championship team uh, was Tampa Bay Buccaneers when uh, wow. Coach yeah. John Gruden uh, mm. was leading that that organization. So that was a lot of fun. Well, I guess we can we can do just do a quick show of hands. Everyone, raise your hand if you've uh, been a mortgage banker. And now raise your hand if you played in the Super Bowl. And I think we know which we happen to find a little, a little more impressive on the surface. But that is a, that, that is I will agree that it, you are not definitely not uh, you know the the kind of professional athlete profile you are much more than that and your approach to mortgage lending goes far beyond your competitive sports days it also uh harkens back to uh, to your upbringing that you had uh when you went to catholic school etc so tell me how someone goes from being in catholic school going into professional sports and then decides one day i'm going to google mortgage bank and boom, top 10 hum, hum to lender, right? It happens like that overnight, I'm uh, sure. Just overnight, yeah, not, not many stops in between. No. So when I, when I was playing in the NFL, um, the stories are, uh, are rampant and well chronicled in the, you know, ESPN's 30, 30 for 30 uh, of, of all the great financial tips that you get in the NFL locker room and how well those usually work out. Uh, so <laughs> while I was playing uh, in 2000, 2001, 2002, that kind of time frame, yeah, you can imagine there were, unbelievable um stories slide around the locker room of all the money people were making in real estate and just you know how, how basically anything you bought in real estate was uh, kind of going up into the right and that's what you need to do yeah and uh, i was always a pretty you know productive guy and so so the nfl is kind of six months on six months off and in those off season you, you work out for a couple hours and you don't have a lot to do and my <laughs> wife i was married you know right right out of school at 22 my wife was in law school so she was in law school all day and uh, the truth is, I stayed up too late one night and watched, watched the Carlton Sheets uh, buy houses no money down. In right. And went, how could that be a bad idea? You know, <laughs> you own a house for no money down. And uh, <laughs> what I didn't know, I went ahead and paid cash uh, for a house, fixed it up, got a phrase. And I did what I didn't know at the time was a cash out, uh, no seasoning refi. Right. Okay. And, uh, and then, then, then started renting that house out. And the realtor I was working with said, man, that was, that was really neat how you did that was you ever loan money to any of my other clients to do something similar and i looked at him and, and said no absolutely not i will never lend money to other people that is crazy man do you know how hard this money was to make how many surgeries i've had and uh, my wife was in law school kind of educated me thankfully on uh you know how uh, no 
indeed work. And um, I started a little bit of a hard money lending business in the off season of football. And um, yeah, by about my third year, um, I was doing that really significantly. And uh, again, after getting to participate in the Super Bowl, I said, man, this has been fantastic. The NFL has been a great start for uh, my family and life, but uh, I want to kind of move from entertaining folks to really impact lives in a deeper way. Left the NFL and got into real estate um, full time. And yeah. uh, about that time, I, I got my real estate license, actually began to sell investment property. So I was a real estate broker, um, a realtor. And uh, I met my now partner, a guy named Toby Harris, who ran joint ventures for National City. Uh, because I kept finding out that, that I could sell houses all day long, but these darn mortgage guys kept messing up the deals. Oh, really? <laughs> said, Man, if I, could just, if I could just fix this Not much has changed. Help guys too. <laughs> <laughs> At least from a lot of realtors' perspectives anyway, right? Right. Uh, it's a, but, but really, that was some of the passion. Just go, Man, I was much more financially oriented rather than you know, kind of talking about how to stage a house or whatnot. Uh, and so I really felt like, man, if, if, if I could get in there and understand how to help people obtain permanent financing for these homes um, and make that process a little easier, man, the, the number of houses would be just unlimited. And I did joint venture with my partner, Toby Harris, in you know, for National City and was running that, you know, kind of smoothly until 07. Um, and I actually got to meet this guy a, a couple of days ago. It was pretty big, pretty uh, big thrill. I had a lot of fun. Bill Dallas. Yeah. Um, I was listening to Bill Dallas do a, a, a mortgage seminar and he said hey the biggest opportunity in the history of mortgage banking is right on the other side of this crisis is that 0708 time frame nobody's really saying that right everyone's saying the world is coming to an end and it will be done forever um and he was saying that the biggest opportunity in the history of mortgage banking is around the other side of this crisis and in 07 that's when um i decided to make the decision to leave national city our joint venture and open an independent mortgage bank um to see if we could really change the landscape of what uh you know how lenders interacted with realtors and with borrowers and that's when we found a movement mortgage. And then the rest is history. The rest is history. <laughs> Wake up 10 years later and you know, got 4,000 employees. And, um, so you know, let's talk about how you uh, manage 4,000 employees on a daily basis. Uh, you, you have some tactics um, that you've uh, – that, that, that you like to discuss because it is, it is important for you, I know, especially that the way in which you treat your employees needs to directly translate into the way they treat their customers and vice versa. I know you have this real uh, good idea about how cyclical management would work where you kind of have your employees on equal footing with you and your customers on equal footing with them and you're on equal footing with your customers. And there's this real nice circle of life that you're, that you kind of have going on at Movement Mortgage. And yet, and yet there are a couple of other factors that prevent you from growing phenomenally. Like once people are in the movement family, you don't tend to just kind of turn them in and out um, of a 30 year after a 30 year after a 30 year and let them use their house as a piggy bank, right? And I think that that kind of goes back to your overall uh, ideology of how movement mortgage is more than just a, a, a lender or a banker. It's, it's a way of life. Is that correct? And you could tell us a little bit. I know you have uh, certain... Uh, personal finance, uh, you know, contests that you do with your workers Principles, and stuff. Yeah. yeah. And tell, tell us a little bit about how you not just saved your customers money, but saved your employees money as well. Yeah, sure. So, so our mission statement of movement is that we exist to love and value people by leading a movement of change in our industry in corporate cultures and in communities across America. And that word love is one that usually manages hangs people up all the time. Like, What's that mean? You know, um, we, we define love like this. You mentioned you know, going to Catholic high school. I had a Catholic priest in high school who defined love like this. He said, to love someone is to act in the long-term best interest of another. 
So the love is to act in the long-term best interest of another. Um, and, man, that is a tough one to play out in corporate culture. It's a tough one to, to think through and talk through. But basically, we say every decision we make, whether it's for our customers of ours, um, our teammates or the communities we're a part of, we need to be acting in the long-term best interest of that individual and of the entire community. So what that doesn't mean, somebody will come and go, you know, you, you denied my loan. Hmm. I thought, I thought you existed to love me. You want to act in my long? And we say, yes, yes, we do. And because we want to act in your long-term best interest, in the long-term best interest of all the borrowers that are going to participate in the you know, FHA insurance fund, we believe you are not ready to take on um, the responsibility of you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars of debt. Right? Mm-hmm. So we're acti- actually acting in your long-term best interest. We are loving you when we say we will not extend credit to you because we do not think it is in your long-term best interest or in our community's long-term best interest. Um, conversely, you know, we're going to say, hey, within our community, within our, our team at Movement, um, man, we want to see people make great long-term financial decisions. So we, we have a, what we call a thrive culture where we have challenged people to um, transform their lives personally and professionally. And personally, we say, you know, if we're going to be a financial services institution, we need to lead with personal responsibility around our own finances. And if we're going to love one another well, we're going to challenge each other to act in you know, our long-term best interest there. And so we did a debt reduction challenge last year. We, uh, we said we want to open the start of the quarter off by losing a million bucks. Wow. You know, hashtag CEO wants to lose a million dollars. And uh, what we said was we want to lose a million dollars of consumer debt. You know, we want to lose them uh, uh, inside of our own community, inside of our own team members. And um, our team members did a, a 90-day challenge. They actually reduced the consumer debt inside the company by $2.8 million and saved an additional $1.4 million, making a, a $4.2 million shift to the personal balance sheets. Um, and so we just kind of think all those type of things are consistent and indicative of loving one another um, and caring for each other and really committing as a community to being our best. And this, that's a tough thing to play out. There's tensions there all the time um, you know, on kind of all sides. But uh, we think if we, if we serve our customers well, if we act in their long-term best interest, serve them well, give them good long-term financial counseling advice, set them up for success personally, um, if we serve our teammates well, we'll actually generate a profit. And then with that profit, we can take and serve our communities that we're part of well also. So that's where we want to move the foundation and invest in things like our community center and our charter schools and, um, and other initiatives around the U.S. really love marginalized people um, that are in the communities that we're part of. And I think that's a great idea is that with your people, you treat them in a way that helps foster financial responsibility. It helps foster uh, a physical and mental well-being. You know, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And I think this industry needs to see more of that. I think this industry needs to see less of a sales-driven culture to just sell, sell, sell. And the stresses that that brings along with it, you know, to constantly have sales goals as your finish line. We know that that finish line keeps moving. Um, but mm-hmm. you speak of people who aren't ready and how you won't lead to them. Clearly, that is proof that you are not a sales-first driven culture in that you're, you know, graciously turning people down and walking them through the steps and trying to get them back. Uh, you know, that, that's, that's a great idea. We definitely, you're not the only one who learned the lesson from the, from the financial crisis that we shouldn't lend money to people who aren't ready for it. But what about people who are ready? What about people who should be lent to, but, uh, but, but maybe don't have the credit score? Or what can we do um, to talk about where the mortgage industry is not just succeeding and not extending credit irresponsibly? Where is the mortgage industry failing? Yeah, I think you bring up a great point right there, whereas when there are a lot of things going really well, there's a lot of great new technology that's coming 
um, available to borrowers and the, and the companies are using to get more productive and lower the cost um, to obtain a mortgage. But right now, we really are failing, I think, to serve the traditionally underserved, the, the, those that have been traditionally overlooked and been invisible to traditional credit models. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and unfortunately, disproportionately, those are non-white borrowers. Okay. Um, black home ownership is actually at, at, a, at incredibly low rates at 42%. Almost half of white home ownership, which is in the mid 70s, that's a problem. That's a problem. Latino home ownership is is hovering in, in the high 40s. Um, so so it, we have a real um, disparity of of home ownership rates in the United States, and it's divided around white and non-white lines. Mm-hmm. Um, that's problematic because it it's just increasing a wealth gap that already exists in our country. I think we as an industry really need to lean into this one and really reimagine and rethink through how we look at credit models to serve those that have been, um, you know, historically kind of credit invisible to the United States, but could uh, very responsibly take on uh, home ownership. And, and, and you know, that 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 um, when they buy a home and they're able to, to, to kind of realize that dream of home ownership, it's going to be a credit to their financial success as an individual. Mm-hmm. And that's something that's really good for our entire community. We know that when when you increase home ownership rates in communities, you know, school attendance picks up, crime rates drop, just so many good things happen um, for entire communities when the home ownership rates rise. So we really, I think, have some opportunity as an industry, and I think working with our federal government to reimagine um, how we think about extending credit to those who have been historically credit invisible. And I've interviewed top people at at HUD through uh, both administrations, the current one and the former one. And uh, while the political ideologies may change, I can say that they echo a lot of what you said, that it takes a community to lend. It takes lending to build a community. And foremostly, the way they would describe it is that a lot of these minorities were disproportionately burned in the run-up to the credit crisis and have not had the confidence to come back through the traditional means, which pretty much occupied the, the lion's share of of that immediately after the uh, the half decade after the crisis unfolded, so now we're trying to figure out ways to rebuild and, to, and ways to offer them, and and the rise of the non banks could potentially serve as a good way to fill that gap. Is that something you think that as the CEO of Movement Mortgage, that's something you feel a dedication to? Yeah, absolutely. We 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 think yeah, we think it's critical. We just think it's the right thing to do as. Citizens, you know, as, as members, you know, of this community we call America or the states that we're a part of, and so you know, we do try to work with um, some different organizations. Um, we're working with the National Association of Real Estate Brokers, for instance, um, to to look at and think about how can we raise the rate of um, black home ownership in America. You know, we met with Senator Tim Scott, who um, is championing a lot of this um, at, the, at, the, at the federal level as well to really. Lend our voice and lend some ideas we have to uh, you know how we think about um, again like like bringing in those who are who are credit invisible right now into um, you know the the credit arena to understand that they are able um, to shoulder a, a mortgage and, and and have that home uh, realize that home ownership dream so we're working you know proactively and I think non banks are really some great ones to do that as you think about working out with the local realtors and. Um, the you know the realtors that are part of these non-white communities um, that are able to help first of all just educate just educate mm-hmm. these populations about programs that already exist and, and that folks have access to that aren't being fully utilized right now. Uh, we, we do one of our biggest. 
challenges is just educating people that you don't even need necessarily twenty percent down to buy do, a home. Yeah, and wow, do you think that there's a do you think that there's a bit of a technological uh, understanding that's that's a roadblock between there? Um, do you think that there? Yeah, are, I, I, I do, and I think one of the, one of the most exciting things about uh, the, the digital mortgage um, is more probably of a digital application is that it is mobily based, and that that is really is democratizing access to credit. You know, the the, the mobile mm-hmm. um, mortgage application that exists now so prevalently across almost every depository and non-bank lender out there in the United States really has democratized access to credit for folks who, you know, we, we found actually folks that um, make less than $50,000 a year, households that make less than $50,000 a year are twice as likely to apply for their mortgage on their mobile phone. And we couldn't figure out why. We started asking why. And the reason was they didn't have home internet, but they had a cell phone. They had a mobile cell phone plan. And so while they might not be able to afford a home internet package, they had a, a mobile cell phone plan and were able to apply for credit and did it at you know, twice, twice the rate of um, every other income demographic. So I think that that's a great way is to reach out to people. Communication is key. And, uh, and a good communicator, a good mortgage bank going forward, a way to show love is to be able to talk to everybody in the family, correct? Like whether it's via text, whether it's, whether it's via social media, whether it's, uh, you know, via email marketing campaigns, there is a way to get your message out. Is at what point do you um, kind of, you know, at one point do you call it quits though? So you have this entire uh, book of, of uh, customers that you're, that you're lending to. Um, you don't keep the servicing as we've discussed you, you, and you lend more. What do you do if someone comes to you, they've been paying off their 30 year for five years and they say, look, I need another 30 year. What do you do there? Because uh, I almost think that your numbers could be even higher in terms of volume, yeah. you could be competing if you were to just yeah. recycle your current book into refis, which some people do. Yeah. So I just want your thoughts. Well, I, yeah, I, I'd say first of all that there are absolutely, you know, very um, uh, good examples of when people should refinance their homes. There, there, there are absolutely times that that should occur, and people should, you know, refinance and obviously take advantage of a lower rate, lower their monthly obligations, that, that can be a really good and wise thing to do at times. What we do not like to see, what we do not think is a good financial strategy is for people using the equity in their homes like a piggy bank mm-hmm. and running to it and stripping it out every time, um, you know, life throws a little bit of a curveball or, or worse than that, just every time you want the next um, non-essential. And uh, so we, we are about 93% purchase and we, we do um, let people know that, man, hey, as rates drop, if we can improve your financial situation, we would love to do so, you know, by, by, by reducing your monthly obligation. We like to see is people taking all the equity out of their homes um, on a regular basis. We think, man, being debt free would be a fabulous uh, end of the story for our borrowers. We'd love to, to celebrate with them the day they tear their mortgage up because they paid it off and then they don't need it anymore. And uh, we just think for American families, you know, we are drowning in debt as Americans. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're, we're, our consumer debt levels are higher than they were uh, pre-crisis, pre-crash. Our national debt levels are higher than they have ever been, obviously, and continue to head in the wrong direction. And, you know, if we're going to, if we're going to, if we're going to turn the tide on any of that, it needs to start at the individual home level. And so we mm-hmm. really want to see Americans um, reduce their overall debt levels. We want to see them pay off their mortgages and reduce, for sure, their consumer debt levels as well. And then we, we think we need to model and reflect that as a nation as well. Um, but it needs to start with the individual family. Outstanding. That's perfect. Um, I, I would wonder if uh, you would ever consider replacing some of your loan officers with robots if they could get the job done. 
but I know the answer to that. <laughs> you know, and the answer is you can't. You, know, you just I, you just can't teach robots how to love. I, I think that's absolutely right. Right. I think I think just about every tactical element of the job is going to be automated at mm-hmm. some point. Every tactical part of the job is going to be automated. What you cannot automate is people's adaptive responses. Right. Yes. You can't automate relationship. You can't automate empathy. And that, I think, is, is the essential role that loan officers are going to continue to play. And the human beings, frankly, are going to continue to play. Both the mortgage industry and outside is, is that we're going to be um, really tasked with loving one another, caring for each other, acting in empathy, acting in care for one another. And, and that's, that's a role robots and machines can't play for us. But outside of that, I mean, they're going to be able to do all the calculations, right? They're going to need us to collect documents. That, that, those, all those tasks are absolutely going to be automated. What we are still going to want to know. Jacob, I believe, is somebody look across the desk yeah. from us, you know, look across the screen from us and guide us through a good, responsible decision as we think about debt levels for our family that align with our hopes and dreams. Yeah, I agree. And I think that that's a good way forward. Um, I, for one, do welcome our robot overlords, should they ever take the place of, uh, of humans. <laughs> but put uh, that out there right now in the universe. Just, yeah, because I, I have a feeling they're listening already. Uh, but... Uh, <laughs> But listen, I want to thank Casey Crawford. He's the CEO of Movement Mortgage. Uh, He's in the winner circle talking about uh, what makes him tick and what makes his people tick and why he is is absolutely crushing it in the mortgage industry. Casey, thank you so much for your time today. You'll have to come back on the show in about six months and tell me what you're up to. Man, love to, Jacob. Thanks so much for doing it, man. Love everything Housing Wire is doing. Appreciate uh, all that you guys are to our industry. Thank you, sir. Have a great day. Take care.